and welcome back to another episode of the Cycling Tips Nerd Alert Podcast. I'm your host, James Huang, and we are back with another deep dive episode for this, the week of February 28th, 2022. Now, we've been talking a lot in recent months about supply chain issues affecting the bike industry, and it certainly isn't any big surprise to anyone listening to this podcast that lots of things have been hard to come by. That's obviously been a pretty big inconvenience for many of us, but how has it affected bike companies a little further upstream? Fizari is a US-based consumer direct brand based in Linden, Utah, about half an hour south of Salt Lake City, and they offer a wide range of bike types and models, including road, mountain, gravel, and pretty much everything else in between. In addition to being consumer direct, though, they also offer a rather remarkable level of customization. Want to switch up a group set or go with some different wheels? How about tires that better suit your local conditions, or even something like specific gearing requests or particular lengths of cockpit components? Fizari says it can do all that and more. However, that also means in order to pull that off, the company has to have all of those options on hand. But how do you do that when everything is in such short supply? And even assuming you've got everything in the warehouse, what do the logistics look like for a mix and match operation like this anyway? To help us dig into all that we have with us on this week's podcast episode, Tyler Cloward, who's not only Frazari's director of product development, but also a self-professed logistics nerd. Like, he's actually really into figuring out how to move stuff around in spreadsheets and stuff. Anyway, without further ado, let's hear from Tyler. Tyler, thanks so much for making the time to be on the podcast today. It sounds like you've got a little bit of a whirlwind schedule here in your travel. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's uh, It's been a fun little, I'm on a little trip right now, but uh, always good to link up. Well, as it turns out, hotel rooms are good little recording studios. They're nice and quiet, so this will work out pretty well. <laughs> Before we dive into some specifics, I kind of want to give listeners, a, I guess, a little bit more of a big picture view as far as uh, what we're talking about. Can, can you give some sense as to how big Fizari's operation is? Yeah, that, that's one thing that, uh, yeah, it, it, it's pretty interesting here. So so Fizari, a lot of people haven't really heard of us or seen us or things like that. We've actually been around since 2005. Um, I've been with the company going on 13 years here, but, uh, we have been, we've been going like crazy here. Um, you know, we we're based in Utah, um, and we do a whole range of bikes. We're doing everything from, yeah, we just introduced a kid's bike a year ago, all the way to your very premium top end road, gravel, uh, full suspension mountain bikes. I mean, uh, you know, we're doing thousands and thousands and thousands of bikes every single year. Um, you know, it's, it, we're growing like crazy. We're, we're building on 12 different platforms. We're introducing new bikes. Um, you know, it seems like almost every other month, uh, we've got some new projects coming, a bunch coming, uh, uh, over the, over the summer, uh, you know, some in the next few weeks, things like that. Um, you know, and within that we're offering different build ranges, you know, anywhere from, you know, four to eight levels of every, every build range plus, you know, multiple color sizes and things like that. So, um, we're, uh, we're growing, uh, and, uh, it's, it's been, it's been quite a ride the last few years for sure. So here at our headquarters, we just moved into a new building. You know, we went from uh, a couple of years ago, right as the pandemic started, uh, we went from about 5,000 square feet to 50,000 square feet and just doing everything can to keep up with everything. It's been fun. That's a, that's a lot of growth. Ten, tenfold, as a matter of fact. Um, <laughs> so, so Fizari is, it, it, you're a consumer direct company. Um, and I guess the reason why I have you on today is because you do have a, a, a pretty different business model uh, as far as uh, compared to a lot of mainstream brands. Um, so you do have, like I said, you have a, a pretty wide range of, of bike offerings. Uh, you have a pretty wide range of, uh, of build kits available. 
And what's interesting is that you you basically build to order, essentially, right? Am I correct? Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. So we we do offer a full customization. You know, like like you mentioned, we we're a direct rider brand. So um, we're the same team designing, engineering, and building the bikes, and we're the same team who's uh, you know trying to educate customers about you know riding, suspension setup, you know tire pressures on gravel. Um, you know, we, we're doing all of order fulfillment. Um, and then, uh, even after, you know, the after sale support. So we're, we're the whole entire group. Um, yeah. And, and having that range all the way through it's, you know, we, we kind of have, we do our best to put together the best build packages, right. You know, and, and what we own, I mean, we, we own the frames, right there. We design engineer, manufacture those frames. And then we work with all the suppliers across the globe to make sure that we're putting the best build kit together, whether that's drivetrain, brakes, tires, um, you know, bars, grip tape, saddles, whatever it may be, right? Um, so we'll spec spec other brands' components, uh, but we own the frames, and you know, we try and put everything together as far as uh, we we call it our, our our full bike analytics. Really, um, you know, is, does it make sense to put that tire on you know X bike or whatever it is? So yeah, we have the different build kits and build options, but. We do offer that customization. You know, if you you want your dream bike, whatever you want to have, um, we can work directly with with you to to make it happen. So, get, walk me through an example then of how someone would go ahead and order a bike from the Fazari website. It's 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 pretty fun actually. So uh, we offer different build platforms. You know, it's you know, like I mentioned, we got you know the roadside, the gravel side, cross country. Uh, we just launched a new cross country bike uh, in January, um, and and kind of pick your platform. Uh, and then from there, we will make recommendations of, of different build kits, you know, whether that's, you know, a, a, a force kit or a rival kit or a 105 uh, drivetrain kit. And there's different wheel options with those. We, we kind of price everything uh, and offer, OK, here's an initial offering. Here's what we think. And customers go through and they, they add those to the cart. They can add different customizations, whether it's, hey, I, uh, you know, carbon wheels are important to me. So let me get your rival bike, but I want to add carbon wheels to it or I can add tubeless to it or I want to add a dropper post to the gravel bike or I want to add uh, whatever it may be across the board. And if there's and then they can they can run through the checkout process um, and then, uh, you know, normal times, it's it, it's it's usually pretty quick. You know, it's, you know, a few days uh, we're able to fulfill that bike, build that bike out with a bunch of different measurements and sizing and things like that. Um, we'll contact the riders to make sure, hey, we have your fit information. And that's, you know, the one thing, you know, we can kind of into is our, our 23 point custom setup, which, which is unique. Um, and then we'll build the bike out. You know, we'll change stem links and bar widths and crank arm links and, and saddle, you know, saddle positioning or, uh, you know, seat post links. Um, that bike gets built up. It gets a full tune test ride. Um, like I mentioned, we have the option to, to ship bikes tubeless. Uh, when the customer gets the bike, it's maybe 10 or 15 minutes worth of assembly with the, the front handlebars and the front wheel and pop in the seat post and you're ready to go. Hmm. All right. So basically you, you go on the website, you kind of browse around, you pick, pick the, the frame platform that you want. And then you go from there, you pick the frame color that you want, you pick the build kit that you want, and then you can kind of go ahead and customize individual pieces of that build kit as you see fit, right? Um, Correct. And yep. then you go through your fit process and that's where all the, the, the sizes of the individual components come into play, right? Like stem, like bar and all that stuff. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. <clears throat> so do you offer that level of customization across the entire company catalog or does it kind of vary by model or something right now? We do that from, you know, the, the thousand dollar, uh, hardtail 
all the way up to eight, nine, ten thousand dollar super bike, whatever you want to have on it. You want full ceramic bearings and ceramic pulleys, we can make it happen. You want to add power meters to things, we can make it happen. Um, whatever you want. We kind of joke around a, a bunch of years ago, you know, this is, you know, really when uh when uh Axis came out, like Eagle and and things like that. Uh we had a customer call in and and it was like, wait, 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 wait. I want the absolute latest latest bike. And we were getting down. I mean, we we're like, I mean, we're a 15 pound road bike and uh comes back and goes okay add a kickstand to it and we just like we're not adding a kickstand to a you know a full red access bike and was he uh, serious he was dead serious dead wow. serious huh and uh just you know and and well, you know we'll kind of work with it too and we, we just kind of joke that it's like man if you want if you want pink tassels we'll put them on there for you we whatever whatever you want to have to make it the best experience um that's our aim and our goal our, our goal is to to make sure people are having a good time on their bikes and it's something they want to ride. So, so when you say like pink tassels and stuff like that, like I don't remember seeing any of that stuff on the website. So you're saying that you also offer a level of customization that's not necessarily what is just called out on the Fizari website. Exactly. Yeah. If it's something that we don't have, so we, we really try and put the most popular things on there and we're constantly refining that, right? We're constantly refining the website. But if it's, if you don't see it, like we're real people, like, like call and you can talk to us. I mean, we have a team um, of, of, customer success people that are there ready to answer calls, um, you know, whether it's, or it's chat or text message or whatever it may be. Um, it's not one of those things where you kind of call up and, you know, hit one for service, two for sales or whatever it may be. Um, it's, it's real people. Um, and, and our hope and our goal is to really bring that experience. You know, we, we joke internally that, uh, you know, we're not a bike company. We're an experienced company who happens to be selling bikes. Um, you know, we're obviously dead serious about the, the manufacturing design of bicycles, but people are spending a whole lot of money and really changing their lifestyles They're changing where they're going on vacation. They're changing the cars they drive, the food they eat, uh, what they do with their families because of a bicycle. And we want to make sure that we're giving the best experience possible for that. Um, you know, whether it's really the customization or if it's, if it's talking, talking about suspension design or bike fit or maintenance or whatever, maybe. Um, you know, and, and it, we, and we, we need to get better in some of those areas, but, but that really is our end goal is to make the very best experience that we can. Cool. Okay. Um, well for, for, for listeners, I, I kind of feel like I wanted to make a clarification here. This, this isn't a sponsored pod or anything. Fazari isn't like, you know, paying for an ad or whatever. Like there's, there's no money exchanging hands here. So, um, this isn't meant to be like a plug for Fazari. The reason why I have you specifically on here is because I, I'm, it, it's interesting that you offer that level of stuff. I and mean, it's something that, you know, for example, like Trek Project One has has done for a really long time. But what I find really fascinating about that, about companies that offer that level of choice is really the logistics behind all of this, because that's what I find the most fascinating. Um, because I think a lot of people who are listening to this pod, you, you probably are a fair number of shop employees in, in there. And I think you all understand a lot of the complications that are required in just keeping certain things in stock, uh, just keeping like, you know, chains and replacement parts and other various things. And for an operation like Fizari, you have to not only have all the things on hand that has your brand name on it, but you need to have all the stuff on hand in the warehouse to build up whatever someone's trying to order, right? Yeah, exactly. And so we're working with suppliers. We're, we're trying to to stay ahead of the game. We're trying to make sure that, you know, we're seeing trends, we're watching trends. We're a very, very data-driven company. Um, and, and, we, and we're really using that to make the best decisions. And, and kind of with forecasting, the joke, you know, is, is 
it's impossible to beat hundred percent right on forecasting. The goal is to be less wrong. Um, and so, yeah, we have to make sure we have cranks and chain rings and, and whatever it may be in different dropper post lengths or, um, you know, different tires, like what's, what's the hottest tire to have right now? And how do we make sure that we're on top of that? And, and there's advantages and disadvantages to being our side to that whole process. Um, and, and working directly with the rider, you know, one of the, one of the advantages we are working directly with riders, like I purposely sit, my desk is very close to our customer success team. I can hear phone calls. I can listen to conversations while I'm working. So it's like, oh, what is that trend? What am I hearing? What's happening here? And we can make decisions on the fly. Um, you know, that's something that we, we want to make sure that we're doing. Okay. So how does it look on the factory side or the warehouse side when someone places an order? Like I have this kind of this idea in my, in my head of like, sort of like a, like a restaurant kitchen, you know, someone places an order and then like it produces this ticket and it goes, it goes back to the kitchen and it goes back there. And then like, you know, this, this dish comes together. Um, how does that actually physically happen at Fizari? It's almost exactly like that, actually. So uh, we'll work whether it comes through the back end of our website or someone. We you have the ability to come into uh, into our headquarters, into our showroom, and you can even take an order there if you happen to be by happen to be in Utah, um, you know, or if it's over the phone or whatever. Maybe, but it's exactly that. Everything gets line line itemed out. Um, if you happen to buy one online, we will actually call you. We want to talk to you. We want to make sure that it's like, okay, do we have this right? Um, you know, and, and and part of that goes into the fit measurement as well. Um, so we'll populate an order and it goes through, you know, we are, uh, um, our warehouse team is phenomenal and, and they're huge bikers. And so they understand the nuances of what things go together and, and how all of this works. And so we have a team there, they'll pick, they'll pick it, they'll, they'll kind of package everything together in a kit. Um, and it goes to our build team and we actually run, uh, different stations through our build team. So we'll have kind of a prep area where they're, you know, prepping frames, prepping components, everything gets, gets most of the way assembled. And then it goes into, you know, another process where it's, you know, refining different, different things, whether it's, uh, you know, changing and adjusting bar widths, if it's, you know, if we have to make any, you know, like a, you know, a, a standard carbon bar or alley bar might come in an 800 millimeter width, but this customer specifically wants a 790, you know, so we'll do some bar trimmings there or, or, or things like that. We'll run through a tubeless setup. Um, and then it goes to another station where, you know, these are really our master technicians and they're really dialing in, you know, all of the drivetrain, you know, mountain bike, uh, if, you know, if it's got suspension on it or road bike or whatever it may be, really dialing in, in all of the tuning. Um, and along the way, it's getting checked by multiple different people throughout the process. It goes through a test ride process. Um, if it's a local pickup, it goes to our local pickup rack. If it's shipping out, which most of them do, um, it goes through a packaging process gets broken down, gets packaged. Someone goes through again, goes through the shipping or shipping department, triple checks the order. Everything is perfectly right. And then it goes out the door. Um, you know, and you got FedEx or UPS delivering it to your door a few days later. So given all the difficulties that people have had, that companies have had over the last couple of years with getting anything, uh, like it, it still blows me away what certain components are going for on on the secondhand market or like on eBay, basically, whether they're secondhand or brand new, just because things are in, are so rare. How does a company like Fizari, when you basically have to accommodate a whole bunch of different combinations of things, I mean, how, how do you handle just keeping things on hand? That's that's been really difficult. Um, you know, part of, part of my passion and my job, like um, I've really been in really to the product development, the product design. Um, the mountain bikes, I, I'm lucky enough, I get to be able to do a lot of the kinematic work and the suspension design, working with the geometry, you know, we've got our industrial design team that's doing an absolute fabulous job bringing all that together. 
Um, that's, that's the stuff that I love. Um, you know, I'm normally, uh, in normal times, I'm over in the factory six, seven, eight times a year over in Taiwan, traveling back and forth. Um, it's been really, really hard um, the last couple of years. It's, and, and, you know, unfortunately something we don't want to have, we've actually had to decrease the amount of customization uh, we've been able to do the last little while just because we haven't been able to get in, get a lot of the components or it's, you know, we saw stuff going from 30, 60, 90, 120 days to two and a half years. Um, it was, I mean, that's just the lead times on some of the parts. And so we've had to adapt, you know, we've, we've been working um, with every component brand and trying to find the very best solutions for customers. Um, we we, we kind of have a mentality is, you know, being small and, and kind of being at the forefront of consumer direct or internet sales in the bike world, uh, we've been real used to having doors slammed in our face and being told no. Um, and we've just had to fight through it. Um, we we kind of joke, it's like, okay, slam a door in our face and tell us, no, we can't do something. We'll just do our best to go kick in another one um, and try and find that and, and just really try to make it happen. Um, we we, we kind of talk and, and internally have this attitude of like, Never have we ever not been able to find a solution for somebody. We can always find a solution to any problem, you know, and it, it, it may take some compromise or some things all the way around, you know, and, and, and working with things and, and getting creative. Um, but we're, we're not just a, we don't like to have the attitude anyways of, of cut and dry, yes or no. Um, and so we'll, we'll talk and we'll work with people and, you know, whatever it may be and, and, and really do the very best that we can and, and just keep fighting. Have you, uh, have you had to get, sort of real creative in terms of getting, getting stuff on hand for someone or like just keeping something in stock. Oh yeah. Like, I mean, and, and, and it's not obviously not when we, we really publicize, but like I've, I've had, we've had to buy, oh, we're missing a certain chain ring or a crank or something for, for a really high end build and we'll buy it from, you know, like a competitive cyclist or somebody like that, just a full retail. Right. And we've had to work through things like that where it's just missing one little part or something like that. Or, um, you know, we've, I, got to go the bike shop down the street has it so we'll walk in and we're, we're buddies with them and we'll walk in and we'll buy it from them um not asking for any kind of special deal we want to keep them around as well and and so yeah we, we've had to do some things like that or you know it's like you know we can do this here's the expected lead time for what you're what you're hoping to get but here's you know option b and c if you want to look at that route as well um and what's been really cool through this whole entire thing is for the for the most part Riders have been very understanding and they're willing, they're willing to either wait or work with us or things like that. And I think it's a due part because we're trying to communicate. We want to make sure people are updated. We're doing our very best to make sure that people know what's going on. We're not trying to hide anything or, or do anything, you know, shady or crazy. Um, and I think that's helped. And, and it's been, it's been awesome to see, um, it's been awesome to see riders and customers excited and, and be willing to be flexible around things. Nice. Uh, so. I've heard lots of stories about how some of the really, really big brands like the the Trek specialized giants of the world, that sort of thing, that um, over the last couple of years, they have sort of been pretty aggressive about, you know, kind of making sure that they have the stuff that they need, placing massive orders and making sure they're at the front of the line. Um, Fizar is obviously an awful lot smaller. Um, have you run into any difficulties with getting stuff just because you know that you're further down on the list and like, how do you, how do you handle that? Well, th that, that's the cool thing, um, that's been happening is a lot of brands, it seems like a lot of component suppliers, they're still working on, you know, a first in first out, out basis, right? Um, 
we, we're definitely smaller, um, but we've worked over, worked over the years. We're not the smallest, um, and that's been really nice. And and the feedback, and, and I don't know, like right, like we're a private company. Most bike brands are private company. We can't really see what's going on. Most component brands are private companies. Um, and but but the feedback we're kind of we're trying to gauge where we're at. We're 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 pretty mid level as far as size goes. Um, and so we've been able to to fight for some things. Um, the first in first out has been huge. Uh, we have the advantage of of being smaller, where um, it just so happens that the product development team is the same team doing purchasing and doing supply chain. And so it's not like we have to have a meeting to have a meeting to talk about what orders we're going to place. Um, you know, we can make those decisions pretty quickly. Um, you know, and having some of the systems that we have on on place, we we can roll with that. Um, it, it, I've heard that we have been some of the first to get orders in on new parts. Uh, when everything went crazy, we saw what was happening immediately, and we just immediately started placing orders. Um, so we got ourselves in line. So I, I think we've been lucky that that our supply chain has actually been pretty good. Um, we've had yeah, there's been bouts where we've been out. Um, but also on the other front, we can see exactly what's happening. We can see exactly the trends. Um, have there some stuff that we've been caught out on? Absolutely. Um, but we've also tried to work with those suppliers. Um, you know, and it's, 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 you know, maybe something you've heard or, or gone in and you, and it's obviously it's noticeable where, you know, bikes are produced in batches. You know, we might place an order for like 200 XT kits at a time or, you know, force kits or whatever it may be. Right. And they come in batches. Um, you know, the, the Komoda companies can deliver, you know, hundreds and hundreds and if not thousands at a time, but we want to make sure that we're smart too, and make sure we keep that inventory turning. And so you can only fit so many, so many groups or, you know, kits in, in, in a container to bring over, uh, from Taiwan. And so we try and plan and batch those things and just, you know, just that consistent formula. And so, uh, we've had to work on substitutions, whether everything can show up, but a crank or the rear brake or whatever it may be. Um, you know, we've worked like, okay, let's ship the whole entire kit. If we have to, we'll air freight that one piece. So it really cuts down on now what is like six to eight weeks shipping time on the ocean, which used to be three to four, you know, we've, we've had to be flexible and, and, and being, being smaller, but as well, big enough to have a little bit of buying power to go into some of those type of conversations, but having that, that flexibility in the warehouse and with consumers and riders to be able to offer that, that kind of one-off that customization. So Yes, to answer your question, we've definitely run into issues where it, 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 I don't think it's ever been, no, we can't get you that. It's a, okay, here's your lead time. Here's what we can and can't get. Um, here's the latest lead time. You know, here's the next latest lead time of the next part. And then we go to work and we either try to make a substitution or we make the air freight call or, or whatever it may be. So would it be easier in some sense if instead of having all these multiple combinations, well, I guess there's two sides of this. Would it, would it be easier in some ways to instead of offering all these different combinations of things to just have pre-built set configurations like what other brands, or is that kind of an advantage because you do have the flexibility of kind of just going with the flow? Uh, yes. Yes. Is the, is the answer to that one. <laughs> um, it would absolutely, it would absolutely be easier, man. It would make my job so much easier. It's like cut and dry. You know, this is exactly what we have and this is all you can get. Um, man, it would make ordering so much easier and forecasting and things like that. But it, and, and, you know, and the other yes is it doesn't offer the same level of experience. Like I said, we're looking for experience. People have different tastes. We're in Utah. We know what works best in Utah and kind of the surrounding areas. But as we've traveled around, the bikes in Bentonville and Florida and Massachusetts, 
the, the people ride different. The trails are different. And so, you know, the roads are different, whatever it may be. And so we have to make sure that we're, we're tailoring to those people as well. Um, and, and then, yes, the, the, the other part, well, of, of being able to make a substitution and letting customers know whether it's like, yes, this is the standard spec or, or we can change things on the fly, whether it may be. And, and we want to let people know we're not in the business of of, OK, here you bought into this and now we're going to make a switch. You know, we'll, we'll communicate to customers where it's like, hey, these dropper posts were, were you know, totally uh, out of stock and or, or the lead time got pushed super long. We're going to change your dropper post and this is what we're proposing. Are you okay with that? We make that call, we, a bike just doesn't show up. We, we're, we're not, that, that, just, that just doesn't feel right, right? And so we're making that communication. So, so yes, it would be easier if it was cut and dry, but at the same time, we've been able to offer the customization and the change and, and really the communication with the customer. So, so it kind of goes both ways. All right. Well, so so either way, no matter what, even if you have to get creative with a build, I mean, no matter what, you're, you're never shipping out an incomplete bike, right? Correct. Yeah. Okay. Unless a customer specifically says, I have my own saddle. I don't want your saddle. Just send it without the saddle. You know, I'll install my own saddle type of thing. But no, everything's going complete. We and, and that's really what we want to want to have happen. Everything is test right, test ridden before it goes out to make sure it's really ready to roll. Got it. With with a lot of regular mainstream companies, or I guess sort of just more conventional ways of doing complete bikes that, that are typically done, like, like again, the same, like, you know, a pre-built configuration, that sort of thing. Um, I hear a lot about what that requires in terms of lead times. You know, bikes have to be ordered, you know, a year, 18 months in advance, that sort of thing. Um, do you have more flexibility in that on your end too, because you are not doing pre-built configurations? Like, can you actually, like, is that timeline shorter for you? Oh, no. Not at all. Um, we're we're ordering on the same timelines as all the other brands um, because we pull we pull out of the same manufacturing. Um, and one thing that we have found is it's been really interesting working with customers. And it's like I'll pick up the phones, I'll read emails, I'll answer a few emails here and there, just so we can I can make sure that that I'm staying on top of things. Um, is when we place an order as an as an OEM bike builder, there's nothing sitting on the shelf that's ready to go. That's extremely extremely rare. It's okay, we place the order and then that, that component supplier builds the product, right? And they have suppliers and they have suppliers and they decide, you know, at what point they're going to warehouse parts. You know, I think, I, I don't know for sure, but, but SRAM, for instance, used to be a 30-day lead time on most everything, right? There was a couple parts, maybe suspension or some wheels that were at 60 days, but most everything was 30 days. And I've actually wondered, it's like, where somebody's warehousing something, you know, whether that's bolts or pulley wheels or, you know, blanks to CNC chain rings or whatever it may be. Right. And so, no, we're ordering on that same timeline, like just where we are to be proactive. I mean, we're putting orders into 2024 right now um, and we're just we're, we're guessing what build kits are. The other advantage of that, though, is 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 you think about it and you really break it down from an operation standpoint. I love operations. I love I love forecasting. I, I love that type of stuff is is, you know, it, we might have two different, you know, road bike platforms, right? And that same Ultegra kit can go either way. So I'm really only buying one Ultegra kit to go on platform A or B. And we try to spec our bikes like that. Same thing on the mountain side, you know, whether it's, you know, XT kits or GX access kits or whatever it may be. And, and, and we look at that, okay, what's the long lead time? What's the non-interchangeable part and okay, we have to make sure that we're on top of that stuff 
And then we'll forecast and build whether, you know, this one group that can really go across three platforms, you know, that the XT kit, other than maybe a two or a four piston brake, but that drivetrain can really go on a cross country trailer and drill bike. Um, and, and we're thinking like that, how do we batch and combine? So when we're ordering out and we're ordering these big numbers, then it comes further down. We're, we're doing the customization later, you know, whether it's, it's here in the States or, or kind of prepackaging some things, um, we can make the best decisions and we have a little more flexibility. So do you think that means that for a certain comment or I, I guess for a certain number of combinations of bikes that you at any given time would have a lot less tied up in inventory than you would otherwise, if all those bikes were pre-built? Um, that's the goal that, that is definitely the goal is to make the quicker inventory turn. Right. I think overall it's, it's very possible. Um, you know, we have been in, in such a, I think normal times, yes, we've been in such a position where there's been so much demand that everything coming in is going immediately back out the door. Um, we're, we're shipping it out as fast as we can bring it in. Um, it has been interesting is we do have more available inventory right now, um, than we've had probably in the last two years and it's not huge inventory. But we do have bikes available. We do have kits available in our warehouse right now that you can have in one to two weeks. Um, but it's it, it does offer that flexibility and we can see, hey, you know, platform A isn't selling as well, but B with the same parts is doing really well. Let's make a shift. So, yeah, it does help us turn inventory. Uh, you mentioned forecasting and how like you're actually really into it, which I don't, I don't think I've ever heard anyone say that they're really into <laughs> forecasting. Like, how, how do you how do you deal with that? Because certainly, you know, on the product development side, you you obviously have uh, you, you're obviously privy to some knowledge of what's coming down the pipe, as opposed to some other people who just who aren't aware of what's coming in, you know, 2024, 2025, that sort of thing. Um, is it sort of just like an educated guess uh, kind of scenario where you're trying to figure out how popular something's going to be or, you know, how much you need to order? Uh, absolutely. Yeah, it really, I mean, the, the old, I mean, lick your finger, stick it in the wind and see what happens, right? No, it's, 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 it's a lot more data than that. Um, and, and we're trying to go, we, we kind of know price points work well, what build kits are popular. We know what's coming. Um, and, and sometimes we don't know what's coming. We're, and that, that's been the hard part is, Right now, we have never in the history of the bike industry that I know of have had to order out this far. Um, and we know, as well as suppliers know, we're ordering parts that may not even exist in 2024. And so we're having to look with that um, and roll things over. But but back up not to, and, and take out the passion of bikes and just think it from a business standpoint is, you know, if you're a component supplier, you're not going to replace a group and just have like a 50% upcharge with the replacement, right? You want to try and hit that price point. They're conscious of that. Um, you know, it happens on a business all the way to the front. So, okay, we're going to order this and then we're going to try and make a rollover at some point, you know, when factories can retool and bring out those new parts. Um, so, yeah, the uh, the customization has been, has been interesting. Uh, but the forecasting part is we see trends. Um, we, we make guesses. Um, I can tell you this much. I didn't order enough of that gravel bike. Um, just, just, just plain and true that that bike has gone crazy. Um, sorry you know, about and, that. And <laughs> yeah, well, I'll, I'll forgive you. I'll forgive you, but it's, uh, it, yeah, it's a good bike. Know, things like that. Yeah. We, we, we've enjoyed it. We've enjoyed it. We've had a lot of fun and it sounds like a lot of people are too. So we try, we try to be less wrong. I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I love bikes. I'm super into bikes. Um, I have been my whole life. I was the weird kid riding bikes when it wasn't the cool thing. Everyone was playing team sports. Um, at the same time, like I love the business side. You know, I went back to business school and and did that whole route as well. But I love digging into the numbers and the trends and 
and seeing what's happening and how do we make sure that we're ahead of things. So yeah, it really is an educated guess. We're trying to use data as much as have. The other hard part that we have um, is we're growing so fast. How do you, when, when demand is consistent, when supply is consistent, um, it's pretty easy to get your forecasting on. But the last couple of years, they've both been disrupted. You know, we, the supply hasn't been there and demand's been through the roof. So how do you how do you forecast and guess for that? And and I think that really comes back to how we've set everything up as a company is, you know, being flexible, not taking no for an answer as far as find a solution. There's always a solution somewhere. And I think it's really those foundations that we set up as a company that have allowed us to kind of to weather the storm and and really push through and, and make the best experience for for riders and customers. Okay, cool. Um, you know, you've mentioned data a couple times, and I'm glad you brought up the the issue of this sort of explosive growth that everyone's been experiencing for the last couple of years. Um, I guess I've got a couple of questions. First is, you know, what sort of data do you look at to try and make those educated guesses as far as what things are going to look like moving forward? Um, and then as far as the growth goes, um, certainly the bike industry on, on, the, on a whole has just been absolutely exploding over the last couple of years. Um, and there is always this question of, how long is this bubble going to last or is it a bubble is it sort of a more sustained thing um what sort of data are you looking at to make those decisions and from the data that you're looking at are you seeing any indications that we're starting to maybe finally slow down a little bit um i mean we look at like like general bike industry data you know is a bike industry as a whole uh it, it's it's grown but it hasn't grown massive um and, and it's and it markets are completely they're they're related but separate um, you know, as an industry, we have we basically have kind of one supply region. Most most of Asia, Taiwan is obviously you know the huge manufacturing hub, um, but they're supplying all of the bikes in Asia, um, a lot in Europe, in the U.S. Uh, South America is booming. Australia's had a huge takeoff the last little while. So we we kind of have to look at that from a supply side. But bikes are used very different across the globe. For the most part, here in the U.S., it's mostly recreation. I would say. It's mostly recreation and then some transportation. Um, Europe is a little bit different. There's a lot more transportation and the recreation side has really, really picked up, uh, you know, with e-bikes and things like that, but just in general. But but the infrastructure is different. The cities are laid out different. We have so much space um, uh, in North America that it, it's we have longer commutes. We're used to that. Things are spread out. Europe, things are concentrated in cities. There's bike infrastructure. And so with that comes different uses of bikes. Um, so I think, I, I don't know if, if I would say the bike industry was a bubble. I think we just went up a big cliff face. Um, it, it came and, and went straight up and, and then it's, we're going to keep, keep, you know, consistent growth. Um, I don't think we're going to see the, the year over year change we've seen the last couple of years, but I, I still think it's going to be growing is, is we're getting, um, you know, the quote unquote COVID rider is they, they got bit with the bug because they can, they can come in and they can ride something. They'd be outside and they're like, we're going to see some people fall off, but we're going to see some people come get their second and third bike, uh, you know, higher end and upgrade uh, from that as well. Right. Because it turns out most people, when they start riding bikes, like they, it it's, turns out to be kind of fun. Like they might want to do it some more. Yeah. That adrenaline rush and, and getting outside and, and things like that. It uh, It's kind of addictive. Okay. So you're, so you're not really thinking that this is I mean, I don't I don't think I've really talked to anyone who who thinks that we are going to return to total like pre-COVID pandemic levels. Um, but you're you're 
while we may not see the same level of growth, which I think is fine because that doesn't seem sustainable or like doesn't seem like anything anyone can keep up, keep, uh, can keep up with right now. Um, but you're saying that while we may not see the same level of growth moving forward long term, you do you do anticipate that this is almost kind of just like a kickstart to a longer term trend then? I, I think so. Um, I think uh, people enjoy it, but... I mean, with that, we can only grow as fast as the supply is going to let us, right? Is, is you know, component companies can only build so much per year. If the orders are there, that's great. But if they can't fulfill it, you know, and there's only, there's only, there's only you know, it takes years to build factories sometimes to build more capacity, to get more machines. And, um, you know, one thing to remember is every supplier has a supplier. It goes back and back and back and back, right? It's, it's a, okay, um, SRAM, for instance, wants to turn out more CNC cassettes or chain rings or whatever it may be. They have to buy more CNC machines. Who is that CNC machine supplier and who is their supplier and who is their supplier? And what about, you know, the, the aluminum and aluminum billets? Where is that coming from? Or tires? How are we getting those? Or, um, you know, it's, it's, you know, frame factories is uh, most of the world. Um, and, and I would imagine uh, uh, those really into this understand, um, you know, how, how frames are built, but it's most of the world, uh, the high end bike companies, uh, it's, we use contract manufacturing. So we'll, we'll design and engineer a bike. We'll find a factory who is an expert at, at manufacturing, um, and we'll contract with them to build our frame. Um, and you know, there, there's still, there's dozens and dozens of factories. Um, but this is the same concept that's used with everything. I mean, Apple uses it on the iPhone, Nike uses it on shoes, what, whatever it may be. Um, and it's how fast can they ramp up? Right is uh is you know you're only limited to frames right you can only produce as many bikes as frames you can produce you can't sell a bike without the frame and so we're, we're kind of limited by that and and you know what's that exposure because you know some of these factories come in and, it, and they're multi-million dollar investments and do they see that can they see the return um so it's really kind of working together as an ecosystem but yes i think the growth the growth is going to continue at the rate it's done over the last couple of years probably not um, I see it kind of kind of tailing a little bit, um, which I think is going to be healthy. It's going to allow everybody to kind of catch up, digest this, see where we're at, um, and then push innovation again, uh, which which I'm really excited for. Cool. Um, how scalable is this whole setup that you have at Vizari? Because it does sound like you, you mentioned a couple of times that you do have some advantages of being like not super big. But as you continue to grow, as I'm sure you want to, but as you continue to grow, do you, do you anticipate or do you have systems in place that will let you continue to offer the level of flexibility and customization that you have moving forward? Yeah, I think the biggest one we're, we're working on is, is kind of our, our data acquisition. How do we make sure we have the best information to make sure we have the best parts on hand? How do we make sure that we're driving the conversation uh, as far as spec, as far as what's happening on bikes, we're constantly talking with manufacturers. I mean, I, I'm, I'm on a, I'm on a little 10 day road trip right now. And, you know, I've, I've met with four different component suppliers in person and we're talking about that. You know, we're asking, Hey, we really want to see this type of stuff happening. And so it's, you know, they're helping that ramp up. How do we make sure that we're at the forefront of that conversation and we have the proper stuff on hand or have it coming in? um to make sure those are ready to go the other thing that we are really working on is it's it's the non-fun side of the of the bike industry is is we have to think about it from from the experience side what is it like on that website 
What is the user experiencing? What do they what do they want to see? What do they don't want to see? How do they make sure that that they're guided through that purchasing process where they're able to fulfill, you know, we can fulfill all of their demands, we can answer their questions and make it an easier process without killing that that custom customization, but really that that direct to person experience. And so we have upped uh, our web development team. You know, we've doubled down there. We have people that are working full time on that shopping cart experience. Um, you know, and it's we're constantly updating the options that we're able to offer there. Uh, and how do we make sure that keeps ramping up um, as much as we want to? Uh, you know, really, the, I I love it more than anything. Is is someone comes in and I just happen to be walking through the showroom. Um, and, and they grab me and we start talking about bikes. We start talking about ride positioning, where they're riding or suspension kinematic. I, that is a hands down my favorite part of my job. I love it. Like you'll find me at festivals or whatever else. And I absolutely love getting into that stuff. Um, you know, as much as we really want to make sure that's going one, how do we train all of our other staff? How do we make sure that we have the best education? You know, that's something, you know, I can, I can get into that too, of what we're doing as a company to make sure we offer that. But how do we make sure there's the digital assets for those that, you know, we're used to buying stuff online now. The whole world's changed and it's, I mean, everything's buying online. I mean, like toilet paper is getting delivered online now, you know, I mean, it, and, and we're used to that. We want to make sure it has the best experience all the way through. So continuing to run with that, making sure that, you know, our warehousing is spot on. So it doesn't take, you know, a whole bunch of extra time to pick those parts. We know exactly where it is. We know it can move in and out um, and we can make those decisions quicker. That That's where we're headed. Um, you know, as fast as we can, but but also making sure that they were doing it in a smart, efficient way that that keeps the business healthy as well. So as you get bigger, do you think that you might actually be able to offer more customization? Like, you know, one thing that you don't offer right now is custom paint. Um, I, I would have to imagine that that has been a conversation internally, uh, probably for a long time now, I'm guessing. But do you, do you think that that sort of thing is something that might become a possibility as you get bigger? 100%. It's, it's something we're actually working on. Um, and, and it's funny you ask that is I'm actually testing that with one of my good friends right now. Um, he just bought our new cross country bike um, and we were able to uh, work something on the manufacturing. We're actually testing out a couple of painters right now. Um, so we want to get to that level where <clears throat> whether they can come up with kind of their own design, but you have to be able to design paint in a 3D matter. Like, how is this actually going to go onto the frame? Um, you know, and we've, we've looked at ramping up like our internal design side to be able to help with that. But absolutely. You know, is it is it paint? Is it, oh, I want oil slick hardware on all my pivots. Like, how do we get that machine to make sure that the bolts are correct or, you know, we can we can make your brake bolts right or whatever it may be. Absolutely. You know, it's it's we've even joked. It's like, man, how do we take that even further? What if we fly you in and you come pick up your bike from our factory? We run a full fit. We go out on your first rides with you. Uh, we show you what's going on. Uh, suspension bikes, like we're out riding and, and we can get the suspension probably 90% there, kind of just with a few questions and some information. But, you know, I'm six foot four. I and, and you know, I've got a buddy that's 5'10 and we're similar weights. We ride different on the bike. And so what's that suspension balance like? You know, it's like we need an extra click of high speed compression on your shock to balance out that bike. That's something that, you know, in the future, we've we've definitely talked about that. Let's really get that dialed in or, hey, we think we've got this fit on this gravel bike or road bike and we have some amazing riding in Utah. Let's go out and let's go out for a ride and, and let's talk about the pain points or let's talk about the positives and let's make those adjustments on the fly. You know, it's that experience and that that really kind of goes back where we talk about, hey, we're an experienced company who happens to be selling bikes. Um, 
turns out we've 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 gained some know some know how on on the manufacturing and the supply chain and and, and business side, but that that's really what we're going for. We want it to be an experience, and I think people are looking for experiences. You know, it's kind of why you go out to a fancy restaurant is you're looking for a for an experience, and, it, and same thing with a bike. Got it. No, for sure. Like I said, like what, what fascinates me the most about this sort of thing is just the, all the logistics. It's it's it's, it's incredible to talk about it. Um, I, I want to come back to um, your uh, I think you call it like the twenty three point custom setup. Um, it's basically where you're kind of dialing in, dialing in the all the the touch points and the the component lengths and that sort of thing. Um, so I went through this whole process on your website, kind of just playing around with it, and you have things like like you'd expect, you know, rider height and torso length and inseam and arm and shoulder width and all that sort of stuff. Um, I, I'd imagine you have some sort of software that takes all that information and then spits out some sort of like stem length and crank arm length and all that stuff. So we, we have a big database of information um, and it's been a lot of experience. Like I said, uh, we have actually, we've been around since 2005. So we've been doing this for, for 17 years. Um, and so we have a lot of information on, on riders, uh, we're riding stuff nonstop. So we do have those recommendations. Um, we'll come back with recommendations based on, 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 you know, we, the, I think we kind of back up to what we gain, what data points do we need from you? You know, we, we need your height, your inseam, um, your shoulder width, your arm length, your torso, body weight, age, riding style, things like that. Um, and, and they all really go into, to the fit process from there, uh, we'll recommend a frame size. Um, and then even from there, we'll, we'll go out to, you know, stem length and bar width and stack height and, and whatever it may be. Um, so we can make all those recommendations at the same time. There's a lot of customers and a lot of writers that are extremely knowledgeable. If there's something specific that you want, like I've been on seven different bikes. I know what the geometry is. I know what this reach is going to feel like. I know what this effective top tube is going to feel like and this, this head tube, whatever it may be. I want this, 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 and this done. We'll make it happen. Um, and that's one area that, you know, some people is like, oh, well, I don't want to put all my measurements in. It's like, we might have some different recommendations than you, but you know exactly what you want. Let's work with it. Let's make it happen. And so the, that customization goes through first with, with the sizing. We'll make those recommendations. Then part of that, those 23, 23 touch, touch points is it is that whole build process. We're going to change your crank arm links. We're going to change your bar width, your stem height, your stack, stack height, your blur, your brake lever reach, you know, if. You've got smaller hands. We can we can bring those brake levers back in. Um, you know, saddle positioning, seat post links. You know, it's uh, on like for instance that gravel bike that you're familiar with. That we have that sloping top tube on it. Some someone that's five foot ten might have a thirty inch inseam, where the next rider that's five foot ten might have a thirty five inch inseam. And so that seat post length needs to be different, but that frame size might work. Um, you know, or, or, or moving things around. So we're really changing all of that around. Um, one of the biggest things we change, like on the mountain side, is dropper post length, right? It is it, it it's like the worst feeling ever. Is you just spend a whole bunch of money on a really nice mountain bike, and the dropper's too short because someone somewhere decided, hey, this is going to fit eighty percent of the riders, and it probably will, you know, or it's a touch too long or whatever else. And and so we're getting those measured inseam lengths um, to make sure that we're we're really getting that on. And the more accurate customers can be with those measurements, the better fit and experience they're going to have. Um, believe it or not, your actual measured inseam is anywhere from an inch to an inch and a half longer than your pant length. People don't think that. They just give us a pant length and it's like, your satellite's gonna, not going to work on that. You know, It's like, I'm 5'11 with the 27-inch inseam. And I was like, it's possible, but not very likely. Um, and so... <laughs> 
we want all of that information and it's really to have it, it's all experience driven um there's no other alternative motive there's 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 really nothing like that we want it to be the best experience and so we're adjusting every touch point suspension bikes we're going in and we're giving an initial setup on you know compression and rebound and 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 you know air pressure or even on the coil side spring rate if, for, for for the bigger bikes um and and that really helps us dial it in and, and make sure cust- customers when they get that bike it's simple assembly and it's they're ready to ride so let me ask you this i mentioned earlier that um obviously people are i think people are pretty familiar with the whole trek project one thing and, and trek does offer they do have custom paint uh i mean i've been through that whole facility it's pr- pretty impressive setup that they have there for sure um, but then as far as components go it's pretty pretty similar as far as the level of customization that they offer like you know drivetrain and drivetrain sizes and components and wheels and all that other stuff um but they are obviously the outlier um specialized tried to do this a while ago with that whole s build thing that that was really not around for that long. Um, and then aside from that, you don't really see a whole lot from other mainstream brands. Um, from a consumer standpoint, from a rider standpoint, I think not a whole lot of people would complain, uh, would argue with the idea of being able to customize that much stuff and be able to potentially just get things really dialed in right off the bat. Um, I think most people who have bought bikes, they're probably familiar with the shop experience where you know, if something's not quite right straight out of the box, the the bike shop usually takes care of things like, you know, a stem length adjustment or bar adjustment, something like that, or like changing a cassette, so that sort of thing. Um, but it would be a lot nicer to have it be ready right, right from the get-go. Um, is this the sort of thing that you think other companies would want to offer? Or is it the sort of thing where they are so kind of dug in with the way that they've done everything that it would be really, really hard to upend their business model? That's a good question. Um, and it's it's one I, re- I don't really have an answer to. I've, um, you know, I, I, I would kind of say you'd, you'd have to ask them. I know um, there, there's slight advantages to it uh, for us in, this, in the sense that we feel that we offer a better bike buying experience, um, whether that's from the first time cyclist to someone who's extremely knowledgeable um the difficulties are, are the same ones that, that you know that we've been talking about it's logistics side it's 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 how that supply chain works it's it's the visibility of what what's happening with customers um you know uh um most most traditional bike brands is you know a a product manager uh will get together and they will pick a spec they will pick a size and they go yeah for for this size we run x it will run through an assembly factory and assembly factories are are really going out and placing every single individual component order. Um, one thing that, that people might not know is we have to spec and choose, make decisions on every little piece down to water bottle bolts, down to packaging, down to the manuals, down to the cardboard thickness on the packaging. Uh, you don't think about it, it's like, oh, just put it in a box, right? We have to make a decision. What is that material? Um, we're picking every little thing that goes together i mean down to zip tie color um and and they're doing the best they can to make a decision and then you know they'll they'll get put in containers they'll get put you know come you know whether they're here in in north america us canada europe wherever it may be um and they go out to distributors or dealers um, and they're working with them to be able to get that through um and so they a, a product manager has to make the best decision that they can make on spec um and and I don't know all the nuances. I know the landscape is changing like crazy. This is you know it's definitely one area I'm not an expert in. It's been a really long time since I've worked uh, in a bike shop. 
Um, I've been at, you know, cause I've been at Fazari for, for, for quite a few, quite a few years. Um, that I think some really high end, really good bike shops have figured out how to do that. Um, some of them can't do that, uh, because of the inventory turns. And then, you know, we're seeing, we're seeing the landscape change with, with some big brands of, of how they're distributing and how is that all going to shake out? And, um, you know, and, and, you know, we're seeing some, some European brands come to the U S and, and vice versa. So it's, it's a constant changing landscape. Um, I think that, that we have worked like crazy to get where we're at and it's a never, it's a never ending process. We're continually trying to improve that. We're continually trying to improve the experience, um, the fit and things like that. So what other brands may or may not do or what is best for them. Um, that's one that I, I, I don't know because, um, there's so much that I don't know about the inner workings, um, at those other brands. Um, it's not one that's easy. Uh, we, we, we kind of say that, yes, we own the whole supply chain all the way from, from concept to, to engineering and design all the way through sales and, and, uh, after support, uh, which is awesome. But at the same time, we own the whole thing. Like it's not going anywhere else. No one else is going to take care of that for us. So, um, yeah, it's, it's a tricky one. And, uh, uh, the bike landscape's always changing and it'll be interesting to see how it plays out over the next several years. Well, Tyler, I have to say that I'm really happy that you offer this sort of thing. Cause I think just having that level of choice is really cool. Um, having worked in bike shops for a long time, again, certainly quite a long time, like quite a long time ago, like you. Um, but I certainly have plenty of memories about doing all sorts of swaps on bikes as needed, depending on whatever's required to make the customer happy. Um, and it, yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm really happy that you offer that sort of thing. Um, and it also sounds like kind of spreadsheet hell. So I'm glad you're doing <laughs> it and not me. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, I, you know, it, there, there's kind of a joke of uh, if you want to stop riding bikes, start, start working at, start working in the, uh, the bike industry, you'll become a master of spreadsheets. But yep, yep, it's, exactly. uh, it's fun. It's fun. There's definitely worse things to be doing. Well, cool. Tyler, thanks so much for the insight. I think this is a pretty fascinating conversation. And uh, yeah, thanks thanks for kind of the, the peek behind the curtain and how things work over there. Thank you. I'm glad you're asking these questions. This has uh, been an interesting story and an interesting ride. And uh, you're doing a great job of, of bringing out all those stories. Great. Well, you've got some more some more people to see and some more bike riding to do. So I'll let you go. Thanks again. Absolutely. Thank you. All right, well, I hope you found that conversation with Tyler interesting. I know I did. If nothing else, it reinforced my notion that I have absolutely no business running a bike company, and I think we all maybe gained a little more appreciation for what goes into doing something like that. If you liked what you heard today, please make sure you subscribe to the Cycling Tips Nerd Alert podcast so you never miss another episode. And it also helps us a bunch if you leave us a rating or a review, ideally a positive one, or even better, make sure to tell all your friends about Nerd Alert because who doesn't want to hang out with more nerds? Anyway, thanks again for listening, and we will see you next time on Nerd Alert.